Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives, and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for, and use Exvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Exvoyant is here to help at this time of crisis. We've put together a sales leadership seminar for sales leadership teams of all shapes and sizes. The current sales leadership crisis will far outlive this COVID crisis we're all facing. And after working with literally hundreds of sales leaders around the world, I've found four levers the most successful sales leaders are adjusting to effectively navigate the storm facing us all right now. This is a one-hour interactive presentation for your sales leaders conducted by me. This seminar is supported by a workbook with key activities you can conduct with your sales leaders, as well as a private website with videos to help you implement each of of these levers in a way that will help you create as much influence with your team as you possibly can. We offer this free for all sales leaders. There are no strings, no asks, and nothing but an experience that will motivate and inspire members of your sales leadership team. To schedule your private seminar with your team, hit me up today, now. Get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Allah Hunkins, founder and managing director of the Hunkins Leadership Group. Allah and his team build strong leaders. Over his 20-plus year career, he has worked with over 100,000 leaders in 25 countries. As a speaker, coach, consultant, or trainer, Allah has, tra- has worked with 42 of the Fortune 100 companies. That is a big deal and no small feat, and I can't wait to learn some of the lessons that he's learned along the way. His team builds on three leadership fundamentals that we will discuss in detail today, and they're known for translating complex challenges into simple practical leadership tools. By connecting the science of high performance, something we all are responsible for, with the performing art of leadership, something we all need to develop, Allah helps leaders increase engagement, retention, and productivity, and has helped create some big results for companies worldwide. Allah has taken this unique experience and distilled it into his book, Cracking the Leadership Code, Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders, which was just released in March. The book has been an amazing success already and debuted as the number one bestseller on Amazon. I'm super excited to have him join us today and to help each of us with our individual sales leadership blueprints. Alain, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us today. Rob, thank you. I am so excited to be here with you today and, and jump into sales leadership. Yeah, you've, you've got a really interesting career. I was really excited to get you on our show because I think right now, uh, leaders are going to be more important than before. We're going to get there in a second, but before we get into it, um, can you just introduce your firm and, and what you do for sales leaders? Yeah. So Hunkin's leadership group, as you said, we really focus on both the science of high performance and the performing art of leadership. We take a look at 
the, both the psychology, the mindset of what, say, the leaders, how they think, how we believe, and then translate that into very specific behaviors. Because look, at the end of the day, sales leaders don't need a lot of theory. They need theory applied into practice. Mm. So we're all about breaking things down into practical, simple tools that can then be both practice as well as taught to others. So I'm a big believer in the power of simplification. So that's kind of where we started from and that where we go into with our clients. Man, I love that. I, I can't wait to dive into that as we start talking about how you do that. You, you wrote two things. You give me two things I wrote down already things that can be practiced and things that can be taught. Because one of the things I believe is that sales leadership is, is arguably the most important and the most challenging job in business because where do you get taught that, right? And so for you to break it down and give you skills to practice and things that can be taught, I'm already interested in learning more, man. Uh, cool. can, can, you, can you give us a little more about you? I mean, your journey is, is, is going to be an interesting one. What led you to becoming a leadership expert and, and being someone that could start this organization and, and really create value for so many companies worldwide? I, I can't wait to hear that story. Yeah. So certainly it's not the kind of thing that when someone asks you when you're six years old, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? It's not what you yeah. have in mind, right? Right. I, right. I guess for me, if I looked at the through line, I have always been fascinated by people. Like, why do people do what they do? What motivates them? And also, how do leaders particularly shape the environments in which people thrive or don't thrive? And I think part of that has to do, I had a fairly unique childhood. So I'll be totally candid with you around this. Um, so I had a very unique childhood in that my mother is a single mom and my grandmother raised me. Now that part's not particularly unique, but the unique part is that they're actually both Holocaust survivors. They were, my mom wow. was from and, and lived through that experience. Now, amazingly, they were reunited after the war. My mother was in hiding for three years, you know, through the Belgian underground. But as you can imagine, so my mom and my grandmother are raising me that the culture in my own home was so different than it was at my friends' houses or at school or anywhere else in New York City in the 1970s growing up. So really quickly on, like my sensitivity antenna went up for realizing that people and leaders set the tone for their environments. And I think that's what got me interested in psychology. I then actually have a master's degree from uh, acting school. I studied theater for three no years. No way. Yeah. So like my background is very non-business at the beginning. And then I transitioned into doing leadership training in schools using arts, arts and education. And then from there moved into working in businesses back in 1997. And so since 97, I've been basically doing leadership training and management consulting using a lot of experiential learning because people learn best through doing rather than by listening. And I've been doing that. And again, 42 of the Fortune 100 companies and I've worked with literally tens and hundreds of thousands of leaders over the years. And so what I found is there are these patterns. And so that's what I'm really interested in. So that's kind of, yeah, crazy background to get where I am. Theater background turned leadership expert. I love it, man. And uh, so, so I got to ask you, so what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite Broadway play, theater uh, pr production? Oh my gosh, you know, the National Theater Live has been re-showing all these things online lately. And there's a great production of uh, One Man, Two Governors, which is an update of this play, The Servant of Two Masters. And it stars James Corden. It's this oh, wonderful, wow. it's, it comes from the Commedia dell'arte school, which is basically great slapstick physical comedy. When you see it, you realize just how much work, and I think this is true for sales leadership too. There's actually a great Italian word that describes it. It's called sprezzatura, and that is the amazing effort that goes into making things seem effortlessness. And I think you can totally relate to that, right? So it's this yeah, sense of love it. great sales leaders, great artists, when they're at work, 
they make it seem so easy. And we don't see all the hard work that's gone on behind the scenes. I love it. This is going to be fun, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, you certainly have the mo- a very unique background. You're right. We have zero people that started with their mother or their grandmother or Holocaust victims. <laughs> and we have zero. Actually, I take it back. We have one guest that had a theater background. Yeah, and she yeah. was a great guest. I enjoyed her a lot. Um, but, but this is going to be fun. I, I love what you just said. People set the tone for their environments. That, that's, that's, that's deep stuff, man. And I think it sets the stage for what I think is going to give us a great conversation today. Um, we're in a time of a, it's crazy right now. Something none of us have ever seen. Pandemics, job loss of record proportions. Uh, it came out of nowhere. It was really pretty hard to prepare for. Um, I think personally, as I work with sales leaders in, around the world as well, leadership now is more important than it's ever been. I want to pause now and turn it back to you. What do you think in this crazy time, What's the role of leaders? What should leaders be thinking about? Let's start there and kind of dive in from there. Oh my gosh. Leaders are always important, but now more than ever, leadership gets that much more. I think the stakes have never been higher. And I think there's, makes a, there's a lot of reasons behind that. I mean, the fact is, collectively, as a planet, we are going through a collective trauma right now. I mean, this is crazy. Like you said, it's crazy times. And in times of crisis, people look to leaders even more because, as we said, leaders set the tone. And what people want to know are the answers to three questions. They want to know, what does this mean? What should I do? And am I going to be okay? And when I say, am I going to be okay, that also means, is my family going to be okay? And so we have to realize more than anything that we say or do, it's how do we make people around us feel? And I realize that for a lot of us in sales leadership roles, if we're not familiar with the science of emotional intelligence, we hear all that. And that sounds like this really soft stuff, nice to do. When in fact, there's a lot of great hard science that's come out of neuroscience and biology that shows actually the way you make people feel may be the most important thing you do because in order for people to perform at their best, they need to actually be feeling at their best. And so what do we as leaders, as sales leaders do to create the optimal state for our sales teams to both understand and then to sell? And so that's what high performance is about. And so to me, right now, people are looking to leaders to set the tone. The fact is there is no more business as usual. And so we have this amazing opportunity to reform our work from home culture, virtual teams, whatever that is, we can set some norms. And the fact is, whether or not we know we're doing it, it's happening. I like to say that leadership, we all create environments. Great leaders create environments by design and lousy leaders create environments by default. Oh, this is good. I've already burned up a page and a half of notes. I want to back up for a second. So you're going to hear this like beep, beep, beep. The truck's backing up now, okay? We're, we're going back up. I want to talk, like, we could just do this whole episode today on what you just said and get into a little more on this. But for you, this is just a preamble to your constitution of leadership, man. Totally. And, uh, and, and, and I love it. So um, the three questions I wrote down first, I think this is important to do more than just surface love. I want to make sure I got them right. I want to push pause because I think you said the three questions that everybody needs to be able to answer as a leader. What does this mean? What do I do? And am I going to be okay? Okay. Um, I, I, I think that that's a big deal. I, I really like that. 
because um, then you back that up with it's not just what you say about it. It's how you make people feel about it. How do you answer those three questions with feelings instead of words? Great question. So the first question is, like, what does this mean? Right. If we think about that, that gets into this bigger sense of purpose. Right. Because I'm sure you're having these conversations, Rob, where, you know, suddenly you're probably thinking about life and death on a much more visceral level than you ever have before because we're faced with it because of the pandemic. So what does this mean? What should I do? How am I going to feel? The first thing is to recognize is that people, we're social animals and that people have this hunger, this need to connect with others. And so the first thing is people are connecting from a place of panic, anxiety, uncertainty, fear, right? A lot of us are trying to homeschool kids. We never signed up for that, yeah. you know, trying to do, you know, a job at home and we don't have enough laptops to go around, whatever it might be. So people are scared, right? And we don't like to say that. So the first thing is, as a leader, what can I do to calm people's central nervous systems, right? And that sounds all clinical, but the way you do that is by checking in and saying, hey, Rob, how are you feeling today? And not, I, just, and not just going from like a, I'm fine, how are you, Ella? Like that, that kind of the way, the, kind of the BS version, but no, no, really, how are you feeling? And am I, as a leader, what am I doing? And I'll call it holding space, right? Because the work of holding space is about me putting my own agenda aside and my own ego aside and my own, I've got all these things for us to get done on the work front aside because the first priority is to take care of Rob the person. It's like, right. Rob, are, like, how are you feeling? Like, and to take more time with that than I'm probably comfortable because I think, geez, I'm not a psychologist. I'm a sales leader. It's like, you don't, yes. need, to be, you don't need to be a psychologist. You need to be a caring person in the way you might feel about your kid or your family or your friends. You got to reach out to your team and go, hey, Rob, how are you feeling? And give some space and whatever they're feeling is to validate it by just listening and just going, I get that. I hear that things are tough right now. Sure. And then the follow-up question to that would be, and what can I do to support you? And to, and to let them come up with their own solutions. I think so many sales leaders, we like to think of ourselves as these superheroes. We got to be all seeing, all knowing. You know, it's time to take off the cape and really reveal and be human and giving people that space and time. And then then you earn the right to be human yourself because otherwise we're putting this amazing stress on ourselves. And when we're stressed, the people around us get stressed because yes. emotion, emotions are contagious. Yes. And let's face it, the emotions of leaders are the most contagious. And so what are we doing to kind of put on our own oxygen mask first to be that calm, to get that stable? And so then when I actually am calm, then when I say, how are you doing? I'm not looking at my watch going, oh, crap, Rob, would you finish up? Because I got other stuff to do. Like, I actually have to done my own work around self-care before I can take care of the people around me. Because so much of sales leadership is how can I support the people that I'm leading to succeed? Because let's face it, if my team is successful, then I as a sales leader am successful. 100%. And that is such a good answer to a question that you didn't know was coming. Like, I'm sorry, this happens to every guest. You start saying really smart stuff and then I get really excited and I want to learn more about it. So this idea of answering those three questions with how people feel instead of the words that people say, I think talk is cheap, right? And, yeah. and at times like this, talk is even cheaper, but feelings are even more real. So I love that. that what I wrote down, which was a lot of things that really is screaming at me right now, is this concept you said that emotions are contagious and emotions of sales leaders are the most contagious. 
And I've always said for a long time, people are the world's greatest reflectors. And um, you can see what a leader is by the reflection in the sales team. But I like this, you know, is your emotion something that's worth catching at a time where we're, we're very worried about contagious things right now, right? We're yeah. avoiding contagion at all costs right now. Um, you're, you're, you're suggesting that we want to make sure that we have a, an emotion that's worth catching. Totally, totally. And I think one of the things that's so important around that is, you know what, no one can sustain high performance all the time. And so what do we as leaders do? Do we have our own renewal practices? So when we can't be in super high performance is that we find ways to recharge ourselves yeah. and that we actually encourage our teams to recharge themselves as opposed to, you know, cause look, a lot of people want to do a good job, but you know, this is, this is the perfect time. This is a recipe for burnout right now because people are trying to figure out how do I shift and pivot and all this. And if we as sales leaders don't, give them the space and support to figure out better ways to renew, they're going to be stuck because a lot of our usual rituals have gone away. Like yeah. as simple as a ritual is this driving to work. <laughs> That's gone. So, so what you're suggesting that I hadn't really, I guess as I think about it, I'm, I feel kind of stupid that I didn't think of this one on my own. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of people thinking, what do I do? Um, differently to lead my team? What do I do differently to make sure that my team's okay? What do I do differently in managing my team now that we're all decentralized? What do I do differently now that my buyers are behaving differently? There's a lot of questions like that. What do I do? Yeah. But the one thing that I haven't really thought through is what do I do to make sure that my emotion is in a good spot? Because leaders are going to have those same things. What does this mean for me as a leader? <clears throat> Excuse me. What does this mean for you know, what I do, what does this mean for, am I going to be okay? And so a leader needs to be <clears throat> actively working on those things or else they're not going to have an emotion worth catching, right? Totally, totally. And I would say, you know, if you think about the areas to focus on for sales leaders, for us to be able to focus on ourselves, to me, there's, there's three main things to focus. First is Hit it, baby, bring it. I want it. Yeah. The first is self-awareness, right? So first of all, do I even, am I, you know, Am I even conscious of how am I feeling? Do I even take the time? Which by the way, is also the same baseline of emotional intelligence. So first of all, am I self-aware? And then the next thing is, do I have self-regulation? What I mean by that is basically, when I find myself getting into the crazy stress zone, do I have a strategy for being able to pull myself back to a more grounded place? Because look, there's a lot of things that can pull us off center right now. And so can I self-regulate and recognize that and go, I need to do something to get myself back down to center. And the third one is just around, do I have ongoing practices of self-care? Because let's face it, like, I think a lot of people thought, okay, this whole pandemic shut-in thing, I'm going to push through for three weeks, I can do this, right? And I'm talking to a lot of clients right now, and a lot of people are starting to crack around the edges because they're realizing this is not going to be a sprint. This might, we might be in this for a while. So mm -hmm. what have I built in so I can sustain my own energy as well as then, then I can support the energy of my teams around me? And so I think as sales leaders we need to recognize to start building in some rituals and practices of self-care. You know, I can't go back-to-back -back Zoom calls with not taking a five-minute break for nine hours a day and think that that's maybe sustainable week after week after week. And I know people are sort of feeling the panic because, you know, everything's changed. I got to keep up. But, you know, hard work is not going to cut it by itself. We need to build self-care into the equation as well. 
So why do you think that self-care is so often overlooked? Because I think it is. And I think that's why like in the sales leadership world, you're seeing depression and other like mental kind of illnesses creeping in. Any thoughts around that? Because again, this is another place I didn't expect this to go, but I think that you're onto something super important and super relevant that needs to be discussed. Oh my gosh, this is a big thing. I think why we don't think about it a lot is also you think about many of us in the sales leadership role. How do we get here? There's a pretty good chance that we were high achievers in the individual contributor sales role. And so we have this drive, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. And you know, there's a famous book title by Marshall Goldsmith, which is what got you here won't get you there. I love that book. That's so good. Yeah. Right. Such a great book. And so here's the thing. So I think, so we, you know, in times of crisis, we tend to go back to our old strengths. So how did I achieve in the past? Well, I probably knew how to put things into high gear and, you know, put the pedal to the metal and drive, 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 grind, grind, grind. And yeah, that got you somewhere, but somewhere along the way we confuse and think it was the grinding that got us there. And maybe it wasn't the grinding. You know, I mean, yeah, certainly there's effort and work that's involved, but that's not all of it. And so if that's what we end up modeling as sales leaders, like all you got to do is grind, 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 that is a, a recipe for burnout and whether it's depression or anxiety for ourselves, and it's certainly going to lead to our team. I have yet to meet a single person who ever said, you know what I loved about my leader is, yes. how, is, is, is how uptight and irritated they got, you know, no, has said no one ever, right? So again, calm is such an important trait. And so we need to build in these practices of self-care on a regular basis. Otherwise, we can't serve the people that we're trying to lead. Oh, this is good, man. Uh, I'm, I'm digging this. This is awesome. So uh, I, I, when I asked you what's the role of leadership right now, I, 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 I had some thoughts of where you might go. And I really didn't think it was, you know, take care of yourself first. But it's just like on the airplane. And they say when the, <clears throat> when the oxygen things come down, get it on yourself first before you put it on the person next to you, right? Yeah, completely. It's exactly, exactly right. It's exactly what it is. But it's so easy to overlook because I think – God, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, it's easy to overlook because I think this leads to one of the things that I know you that uh, I'm excited to speak about with you. One of the traps that we fall into as leaders is we look to be fixers of things, right? And uh, is, is that one of the reasons that happens? We're, we're not just taking care of ourselves. We're looking at trying fixing other things. Can you talk about that fixer complex and, and why we should try to be careful about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, classic, classic example of this. So I'll, t I'll actually share it through a story. So I was working with a, a, a district manager, a sales leader, and he was actually managing a team of, this was actually in the fast food industry. Okay. So he was overseeing, he had 10 stores. And when I met him, the whole company had 100 districts. And he at the time, this guy named Matt. And Matt was the number one ranked district manager out of the whole company. Love it. I got to meet him. I said, so Matt, tell me your story, right? Have you always been a high achiever? He said, you know, when I first started here, I was like number 84 out of 100. So it was definitely not number one. I said, so obviously some things have changed. Tell me, Matt, walk me through. What did you do differently? He said, when I started back in the number 84 days, I used to walk around and my mindset was my job is to be the fixer. That I would okay. get, you know, they get their battery of key performance indicators. They get their hot list daily. And he'd look at his stores and go, oh my gosh, they've been red. Like, what's red? What do I have to go around? And I'd be like jumping in my car from store to store. You got to fix this. You got to do that. What's wrong here? And telling people what to do. And it was amazing the way he described it. He would see 
his team as worker bees and that their whole job was to basically fix what he was telling them to do. He didn't get to know people. Sometimes there'd be turnover. He wouldn't even know some people would come in and leave because turnover was so high. Mm. And then he said he did that for years and he was floundering. And then he had a mentor who basically told him, look, Matt, people don't want fixers. They want leaders. They want people who connect with them. So he said the shift at the beginning started with him going around and he'd come in and see his teams and say, hey, how was your weekend? And he'd stop and listen. And then someone would say, well, I spent the weekend with my kids. And so he realized, oh, their kids are important to them. So he'd start building relationship from what they said. And so then he started building these personal relationships and he'd bring in the hot list with all the things marked red on it. And he, instead of telling them, fix this, fix this, he'd say, so I'm seeing this on the list. What do you think we should do? Right? And so he turned these moments from fixing into coachable moments and having people start to generate their own solutions. Well, once they started generating their own solutions, they started building their own problem-solving capacity. And so pretty soon they were able to solve problems when he wasn't there. So he wasn't suddenly the Band-Aid coming in to fix things that would only last for so long that they would come up with their own solutions. And that started to move his performance up. And the way Matt described the whole thing at the end, the kicker of the whole thing is he said, I'm number one now. So obviously my results are great my life is so much easier than it was when I was number 84 and I'm having so much more fun too. Because really? That's the best part of the story. That is right. Yeah. Be because it's so much easier when you're a leader than when you're trying to be this superhero fixer and going from place to place with your roll of duct tape and your band-aids and your string trying to keep stuff together. You know, can I close this one deal? Yeah. You're going to jump in and maybe you will, but that salesperson hasn't learned anything. So what are they going to do the next time? They're going to have to call you again. And you've created this dependency on you as the leader, in which case you're not leading is you're just basically a surrogate, you know, coming in for them. Oh, that's so good. So if, if I was going to have you define, because <clears throat> you said they don't need fixers, they need leaders. If you're going to like make a definition or kind of a statement, that's really simple. Cause I know one of the things I like about you a lot is that you try to break things down into tactical, actionable things. Mm -hmm. Definition of fixer versus leader. Well, basically, I mean, to me, a fixer is someone who focuses on compliance. Like, here's the problem to solve. Ah. Compliance, right? It's all about, like, what's the right answer, right? Whereas leader is about creating commitment, right? So that's a, that's a, that's a huge gap between compliance and commitment, wow. right? Like, the, the, the fixer is just trying to get, like, they, they create, I just want to get, get through this, tick this off my box. Whereas the, 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 commit, the committed person will go above and beyond. And again, to me, that boils down to what I'll call, I know we're going to talk about this, is those three kind of fundamentals of strong leaders is how do you go about shifting from being a fixer to being a leader? It's about connection. It's about communication. And it's about collaboration. Well, let's go there. I mean, this is your blueprint now that, that, that uh, helps leaders be strong leaders is is these are th three of the building blocks. I know that you've got a lot of things you'll talk about. We only have a little time, so now's the perfect time to do it. Let's, let's get into your three C's. Cool, yeah, so we start with connection. And look, we've talked about connection already a lot. We've been talking about the importance of leaders being those, kind of being aware of their emotions. The fact is, look, at its core, leadership is a relationship, right? That's not, it's not a job title, it's not a position. It's a relationship between the leader and the person who chooses to follow. And the quality of that relationship is based on the quality of connection between people. And from my take is there's two main categories of things that sales leaders need to focus on to grow connection. The first one is empathy. And we've touched on that a bit already, right? Basically caring how people feel because then they feel comfortable bringing their whole selves to work. 
So that's one whole category is empathy builds connection. The other one has to do with credibility, right? So basically, why should I follow you? I'm not going to believe the message if I don't believe the messenger. So what are things that we as sales leaders can do to grow our credibility? And this boils down to some very specific behaviors. I'll share a few. Number one, show up on time. I mean, that sounds so radically obvious, but think about it. There's nothing, Rob, that is more visible than your absence or your presence. And so again, we don't get measured by what we say, it's by our behavior. So am I showing up on time consistently as opposed to coming up with excuses? Oh, I was talking to an important client, the traffic, whatever, right? We all have stories, but to be credible means you're actually showing up. And then the next key behavior, once you get the time thing down, is get really conscious of what you're committing to doing and then do what you say you're going to do. You ever know the word accountability, right? We all use that, right? As sales leader, we have to hold people accountable. I mean, you ever think about where the word accountable comes from? It comes from accounting, right? If you think about a balance sheet, right? Funny. Comes, yeah, that's funny. Comes from, I love that. I've been teaching this for years, but the idea is that on the one side, you've got an income and the other side, you've got expenses. And then for it to be in account, the two sides have to equal. Well, that's in accounting. If we move accountability to leadership on the one side <clears> of, the, of the ledger is what you say you're going to do. And the other side is what you actually do. And if you're accountable, the two sides equal. And I think- Ultimately, as sales leaders, the best leaders don't hold other people accountable so much as what they do is they remind people of the commitments they've already made to themselves. So accountability becomes a co-created process as opposed to this top-down shame-blame job, right? It's like, no, basically, I'm here to remind you of your commitments. And if you're having a problem, by the way, reach out to me. And because we have the connection based on empathy, you can say, hey, Rob, I need some help. And then you can offer some support. This is good, man. I like that. So in the connection world, if this is the first of the three building blocks, and I, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to go as deep as I want to because of time. Yeah. Is there like a most common mistake that leaders make? Because I, I know that, what I think it might be, but I'm interested to hear what you think it is. Yeah, I think the most common mistake comes back to a mindset piece, which has to do with the ego, right? It's like, where does the leader's ego come from? It's the sense that I have the job title, therefore you should listen to me. Therefore, if I say, oh, I'm going to be late to the meeting, that you should just, I think leaders get blind to their own blindness. You know, it's funny. So the studies say that only 23% of people believe their leaders lead well. And the reason that I think people admit it is because in a survey, it's confidential. There's no repercussions. But the fact is, if you work in an organization, power plays are alive and well. And unless it's been asked for, if I speak up and tell you, hey, Rob, I think you're a lousy leader and here's why, that could be a seriously career-limiting move. So I think a lot of sales leaders go around and don't solicit the feedback to know how they're doing with connection. And therefore, they stay blind to their own blindness. So I love that answer. And I think you're dead on. I love they stay blind to their own blindness. That's such a visual that I, I'm not going to forget a lot. Yeah. But I have a question I want to ask as a clarification before we get into the last two. We are going to run out of time after the last two. It's going to, it's yeah. going to, it's going to go fast. Um, one of the challenges sales leaders face is the every day they're like other leaders that you may work with that aren't sales leaders don't have the monkey on their back of hitting a quota. Okay. Yeah. Quota is something that screws up all kinds of things, but we have to have quota because the salespeople, it is our job to fund the company, right? Totally. Totally. So, how do you balance performance and people in connection? Because I think one of the biggest mistakes is when people just connect to numbers rather than connecting to people. 
Yep. But as an expert in this, I'm super interested in any tips you may have for our leaders on how do you balance those uh, and still fund the company without alienating the people. Totally. And you bring up such an important point because yes, absolutely. Like the whole, the revenue generation of the entire company, that monkey is on our back and we feel the pressure that, and it doesn't help to have, you know, that's the conversation that, you know, so often in most organizations, the numbers are what gets talked about. Cause, and the reason we talk about the numbers is because they're a lot simpler and easier to measure, but ultimately, and actually I learned this from Matt, the district manager I was talking about before. Okay, he said, okay. one, one of the things he said in the shift from being the fixer to the leader is he said, it's not that you stop focusing on the numbers. It's that you reprioritize. He's like, if you focus on the people first, you realize it's the people that make the numbers. Cause the fact is the numbers are just a rear view mirror indicator of the behaviors of your sales team. And so if you realize, you know, the numbers are not going to change themselves, you know, unless you have some really funky accounting, <laughs> right? And no, so that, that, yeah. that has been done before. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. But no, if you think about it, if, if the focus is, so what do I need to do to develop my people? Because what we do is, you know, we reward, you know, what gets measured is what gets managed, right? We know about that. Right. Right, and right. so that creates this pressure. You know, oftentimes I'll ask sales leaders, I'll say, okay, sales leaders, so tell me what you're accountable for. And they'll talk about sales, profit, revenue, et cetera. They go to the metrics. I say, great. So what's your job? And they'll say, well, my job is to develop people. And I, I say, well, how come when I say, what are you accountable for? You never talk about people. Like you're actually accountable for developing your people. And maybe if we took the same kind of internal anxiety that we have over making this month's sales targets and brought mm -hmm. that into you know, and had that same kind of healthy internal pressure to go, oh my gosh, what am I doing to develop my people's ability? Then maybe we'd be, be doing a better job of hitting those numbers because they don't come out of nowhere. They come out of behaviors that we teach our people how to do. I love that. That's such a great perspective. Let's get to the second C because I want to get at least a little time on all three of them. Yeah, a little taster. So the second C yeah. is communicate, communication, right? Okay. And communication oftentimes ranks as the number one biggest challenge that people face. And there's a really simple reason why. It's because, Rob, you know, for you, in your mind, everything that you want to say and express to everybody else is completely formed and is crystal clear because it lives in your mind. Communication isn't about what's in your mind. It's about getting what's in your mind, what you mean, out through what you say, either verbally or through email or whatever it might be. So getting what you mean through what you say to what other people hear and understand and trying to get all those three That's things. convoluted. You had to say that twice just to say it. Doing totally. it's got to be a harder thing, right? Exactly. Well, think of it like, you know, you know, the ring toss, the carnival, right? So you got to yep. throw the rings over the bottles, right? So if you think of those three rings, what I mean, what I say, two different rings and what, what you hear is, is a third one and what you mean, right? So there's like four rings to try to throw, you know, if you've been to the carnival midway, getting one ring on a bottle is hard enough. Try to get four is crazy. And that's the uphill battle that we're facing. So what great sales leaders realize is that missed and misunderstanding is actually the default wiring of the human condition. It's actually, we're more likely to not get it all right than get it right, as opposed to assuming that because I said something that you meant you understand it. And the reason that understanding is so important is because understanding, by the way, which is that you see things the way I see them and you feel them the way I feel them. When you get someone else's perspective, having that shared understanding becomes the platform for us to make great decisions. If we have great understanding, we can make the best decisions to sell, to serve our clients, et cetera. If we have lousy understanding, we're going to make poor decisions. And so for me, that's a big barrier. And so some of the tips, I want to get into a couple of practical tips that yeah. maybe the listeners can listen to. Yeah, yeah. Get. So around this. So one thing is, first of all, be 
over clear. Be clearer than you think you need to be. So how do you do that without being condescending? Well, here's the thing is what you think is going to be condescending. Actually, look, how many of us have grown up hearing advertisements where they repeat the same thing eight times? We are so used to that. And yet when we do it and repeat ourselves multiple times, we think, oh, people are going to think I'm condescending. We right. actually, you know, on the inside, it feels like I'm repeating myself so many times and you are, but that's the number of times people need to hear stuff before it sticks. Right. So we have to repeat ourselves. And also your central message should be like five to eight words tops. So if you can't make things that simple, you haven't thought through them enough. So, you know, I think too many of us suffer from running and gutting and just like throwing stuff out. It is a lot harder to write a, a one paragraph email than it is to write a one page email. Right. Because what do you know? Right. So it's that clarity and, and conciseness. So that's one key thing is make things clear. Another key thing is to what I call asking for a receipt. That is confirming that people understand what you say. And there's a great example that I like to share that comes from the fast food industry. So back in the 80s, the fast food industry had a huge problem where people would go to the drive-through and they would order food at the intercom, they'd drive up and pick it up and the orders would be all wrong. And this went on for years. And they changed this around with a really simple fix. It was so low tech. What they started doing was repeating the order back to the customer. So let me just check, make sure I got this right. Did you say two cheeseburgers, one hamburger, three fries, and three Cokes? And the customer could say, yes. And amazingly, it improved everything. How often as sales leaders do we have team meetings and then we throw around all these ideas and because we're running out of time, we say, okay, great. Everyone knows what they're doing, right? Good, go, right? Instead of taking that time. And look, if Taco Bell will invest in that for 99 yes. cents taco, yes. isn't, isn't our business worth the same level of clarity? So again, a simple tool that we can start to use by just asking for that receipt to make sure that we're on the same page. I, I, think, that is, I think that is so on point. You know, we, one of the things we train as sales leaders in the sales coaching is that for a sales stage to be effectively accomplished, there needs to be some kind of a verifier or a homework assignment that has to come from the customer. And that's the receipt. I like how you call that a receipt. And now that all the restaurants around here are only on uh, curbside delivery, there's a lot of people that could, could benefit from having that receipt. I'm thinking of an order that I picked up for my family just the other night that was only 60% right. Yeah. And we got home and we were very disappointed. So you're right. Getting a receipt is what a great strategy. Is there like a way to bake that in and make that again? So again, it feels like it's natural and normal rather than, you know, I, I'm, I'm babysitting you. Uh, I think one thing to start is to make it a habit. So if you know you're going to, let's say, have an hour meeting, okay. is that you, you build in at minute you know, 50, or actually I say 45, is you finish your meeting at 45, and then the next 10 minutes is you do confirmations. You go, like, okay, we're going to do our ask for receipt round. Let's just go around and just confirm what is everyone doing walking out of here. And you bake that into your meeting process. And then, by the way, you leave five minutes to the end so people can get to their next top of the hour meeting without being crazy. That's Love another it. one. Yeah, so that's a simple thing to All do. All right, so communicate over communicate. Let's get to number three so we can then start wrapping and summarizing with us not being in a hurry to end at the end, right? Yeah, sure. So collaboration is the third big C. And I'm big on this right now. I'm super glad you have this because I think this is something that is at risk as companies are decentralizing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the idea is that as leaders, we need to design environments where people can collaborate effectively. And that's the onus for that is on us. So I like to say that leaders need to be choice architects. 
And so this term choice architecture comes out of the field of behavioral economics. I'll just give you a really simple example. So like that they've shown, the science has shown that if you want people to eat smaller portions of food, that if you put the food on smaller plates, people will eat less because it seems like there's more food covering the plate, which it is, right? So that just shows you that as leaders, we have the ability to influence how people think. And so we can take that off of the plate and put it into the work environment is realizing that all of our sales teams have certain needs. And when those needs are met, they're gonna be in a much better state to collaborate. And so the four basic needs are people have a need for safety, right? So that's physical safety. It's also psychological safety. When people are safe, they can perform at their best. They also have a need for energy, right? We've all been through those horribly boring three hour meetings where we wanna shoot ourselves. Yes. So there are a lot of things that we can do to avoid that. I'll talk a couple, a couple of those tips in a minute. So it's the need for energy. People also have a need for purpose, the sense that what they're doing matters, that they're contributing something that is greater than themselves. And the fourth need is that people have a need for ownership, that they have, they have some autonomy and some freedom in how they do their work because they can bring themselves to it as opposed to being rigidly micromanaged. And so in terms of collaboration, leaders have to recognize that how you meet those needs is different for different people, but there are some commonalities. So for example, going back to our energy example, as a leader, as a sales leader, if you're having a team meeting, are you making sure that you're giving people a physical break at least every 75 minutes? Because no one has the attention span to go much beyond that. So I call it the 75 minute rule. Just like basically you should be taking a break because otherwise people can't possibly focus. We've all been there, right? We get cranky, we get hangry, whatever it might be. So we have to recognize that and we have to just be human and thinking about designing human systems that support collaboration. So good. Those three are good, man. Connection, communication, collaboration. Uh, let's finish with my last question on this and then we're gonna wrap up with the rapid fire the way I, I finish every episode, okay? Cool. In the world of collaboration, which again, I, I've told you, I, I'm very interested in this one because I think it's extremely important given the fact that everybody is now working in a slight, in some cases, slightly different way, in other cases, radically different way. Yeah. Is there like, I love your four things. Reinforce those four things different ways. Is there something like, this will be the yin and the yang. Is there something, make sure you do this as you want to focus and create collaboration. And on the flip side, make sure you don't do this. Is there like a do this, don't do this that you might suggest on collaboration? Well, I mean, I'm going to come back to some of the fundamentals. Yeah, I'd say the first thing around collabor collaboration is think of yourself, when it, think of dialogue, pull rather than push, right? Ah. So, right, so I think that's a good yin and yang thing. So yeah. on the yin, right, one side, is so you want to be pulling, right? Adults like to be self-directed. And so as a, as a sales leader, facilitate more and direct less, right? So. so good. I'm glad I asked the question because that really is visual. It's easy for people to get their hands around that and say, ah, how do I become more of a facilitator and less of a director? That's a really good lens to look through. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Because that's where it comes from. It's like, we want to draw things out of people because when it's drawn out of them, they take ownership and they're so much more invested in the outcome than you giving it to them. Okay. This is good. As you think about what we've talked about, we've talked about uh, creating emotion that's worth catching, um, making sure we answer those three basic questions through feelings instead of words, uh, your, your, your big uh, blueprint, your big trap of avoiding the fixer. And I see now how leaders are different than fixers as you look at these three C's. 
Is there anything that you would like sum this up and say, listen, sales leaders, as we're going through this right now, here's a couple final thoughts that I'd like to offer you. Any, any kind of top of mind as you consider those things? Yeah, three quick things as we're thinking top of mind about how to lead, particularly in the middle of this crisis moving forward. Uh, okay. So number one, this is a time to be exceptionally human, right? People mm. are going to remember how they felt in the middle of this crisis for better or worse. So we talked about the things about making people feel. We talked about empathy. Lean into that more than you think you need to and support people in that. So number one, be exceptionally human. Number two, lean into communicating more. Check in more frequently. And when I say check in, there's a big difference between checking in and checking on, right? So checking in, you're, if there's a guiding question, it's checking in, how can I be of support, right? So that's number two. And number three, there's such an opportunity right now for us to look at our pre-existing processes and our procedures and our rules and to start killing some sacred cows. This is such an opportunity for innovation and creativity and no better people than your teams to come up with new ideas of kind of both in the middle of the pandemic and post pandemic. What are some ways that we can think about our business and our customers and their needs differently so that we can innovate some new ways of working with them to create some new solutions. So good. Those three things are a great, great blueprint. Be exceptionally human. Don't just be human. Don't just empathize. You know why I like this? Um, when, this whole, when this whole pandemic started along, uh, a couple of, of sales thought leaders that I really respect, and, and two of them that I'll give shout outs to, to two of the first ones that I heard were, were uh, John Barrows and, and Doug Landis, two people that I really respect a lot. They said, hey, you got to lead with empathy. Well, a lot of people that just translated into one sentence in an email, it said, I trust everything's good with your family, followed by a hard pivot or a hard turn to the left where they start pitching you again, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And so I like what you've talked about, about being exceptionally human, because that's what people will remember. I love that. Um, Over communicate because you're going to have, you know, with distance comes a, a need to solve, answer those questions. Am I going to be okay? And that, that's why you got to over communicate. I'm kind of wrapping this all up. I'm trying to connect all your dots, right? Yeah. You're doing a great job. And, and then the last <laughs> one, this idea of innovation and creativity, you want to be first to adapt. You don't want to be the me too player. This is an opportunity where you can find use of situations that never existed before or ways to address the market that maybe wouldn't have been applicable before. And those that do that first will be respected by both their there are people that follow them as well as the customers that work with them. Totally. Totally. I love it. it. Yeah. That's great. Okay. All right. Let's get to the rapid fire. We are out of time, but I'm going to finish the way I finished with everyone. Three questions in a hurry. You ready? Yep. I'm ready. Okay. Number one. Um, let's, well, number one, what's the, uh, what's the biggest sales leadership challenge you've seen and how do you beat it down? Ooh. Um, biggest sales leadership challenge that I've seen. Yeah, that's this rapid. I'm, I'm on the on the hot seat. I'm yeah, like, oh. do it on purpose, man. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly, exactly, um, exactly. I would say sorry, uh, not sorry, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, just trying to trying to think of this biggest. Let me think. Let me think of a big one. That's good. I think uh, the biggest is to basically it's to move out of that. I'm the in control person and actually build the capacity into your team. I think that is. I see that time and time again. I think you're spot on and you've given us some suggestions on how to beat that with, um, you know, being more of that facilitator and less of a, of a dictator. I, I think yeah. you've given us a great answer to that. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you went there. I was actually hoping you would go there because I do think that's one of the biggest ones. I, I think people get this positional leadership 
yeah. get the job and they don't get to the permission-based leadership that yeah. I'm choosing to follow you. It's unfortunately, I have to follow you, right? Totally, totally. Okay, second, um, when you're interviewing people to join a team, what's your favorite interview question and what are you looking for? You know, what are you really looking for when you, when you go to that question or, or topic? Well, here's my, my favorite interview question is actually, and I can't do this now because we're all at home, is to actually is to take them out to lunch or dinner and watch how they treat the wait staff. That's my favorite thing because I want to see how people interact with other people because let's face it, like in this, we talked about the importance of emotional intelligence and interpersonal skills and how people treat anyone is how they treat everyone. So I want to see how aware they are. So that's my favorite go-to. I mean, the questions come, but that's where I go. Yeah, that, that question is one of our listeners' favorites. We get, we, we get a lot of feedback on the fact the listeners ask us to ask that question. You're the first yeah. one to give me that answer. I like that. I, you know, I, I've heard the, stat, the statement, how you do something is how you do everything. But yeah. I like what you said. How you treat someone is how you treat everyone. I like yeah. that. Last Espe- one. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, how you treat everyone, especially when you know, there's no, there's no you know, it's easy to butter up someone who's in a position of authority. You know, how do you treat the wait staff? Love it. So good. Okay. Last one, leaders or readers. And we're, we're going to, we're going to endorse your book. I, I'm going to tell people that we've got a copy over here and we're enjoying it. Uh, I'll give you a chance to talk about that other than your book, which we're going to uh, showcase. Is there something you do suggest to our listeners that they ought to get their hands on for their leadership journey? Um, a couple of books that have really influenced me. Uh, a couple of my heroes are the Jim Cousins and Barry Posner. The Leadership Challenge is a okay. classic in the field, and Great they one. are they're academics. I mean, that being said, the book is not academic at all. But the research and the science that they bring to it really inspired me to go on this path. So I love to go back to where they are. We'll um, add that one to our library. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's, let's finish this now. How do they get more of you? You're going to have a lot of people that are going to be intrigued by what you've had to say. Um, you've got a book that they need to get their hands on. It's a, it's a number one bestseller already, and it's, it's, it's fresh off the press. Uh, let's give you a chance to talk about that. How do they connect with you? How do they reach out to you? How do they continue a conversation with you? Awesome. Well, really easy because my name is funny spelling, so it's harder. So go to the book has its own website, which is www.crackingtheleadershipcode.com. While you're there, you can learn all about the book. You can order it. You can also download the first chapter of the book right there and get a little taste of it. That page is linked to my actual website, which is alanhunkins.com, but you'll be there. So you can find me and then you can click to links, learn more about my other services and things that I do, all of which is under the category of helping build strong leaders. So that's the place to go. And you can also connect with me. There are buttons to connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I do all my social media outreach is, is through LinkedIn. All right. So uh, listeners, follow this guy. Reach out, connect, find him on LinkedIn. Go check out his book. I'm telling you, it's good stuff in there. You just got a tiny, tiny taste of it today. Uh, Alon, thank you so much. Alon Hunkins, he's, he's helping leaders shape environments and create emotions that are worth catching right at a time when we're trying to avoid contagion let's be the leader that has the most contagious thing that we can ever take to our team that's our that's our emotion that will fuel the three c's and help us move past the numbers and get into the people in a way that will create great great results alan thank you so much this has been amazing to have you uh and like i said everyone man happy selling Thanks so much, Rob. It's been a joy and a delight to be with you. So thanks so much. It's been great. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? 
But first, I want to remind each of you that I have developed a sales leadership seminar for your sales leadership team, and I want to share it with you for free. After working with companies around the world during the COVID crisis, I found four levers the most successful sales leaders are adjusting to create success. This is an experience for your leaders that will motivate, inspire, and help you create more influence in your one-on-ones immediately. This is a private session that I, I deliver over Zoom, and I'm excited to bring it to you and your sales leaders. There are no strings and no expectations. I just want to be as helpful to as many sales leaders as possible. I've done it a lot, and I can tell you with confidence, this is an experience you can be excited to bring to your team. Now, I freaking love the conversation with Allah. I knew I'd like our conversation, but he was even better than I thought. This concept that emotions are contagious it is a big one. And I like how he took it up a notch and he pointed out that the emotions of sales leaders are the most contagious. Listen, I've spoken with a ton of leaders as I've hosted this podcast and as I've worked with sales leaders around the world in my work at Exvoyant. Allah's insights are fantastic. Every single sales leader will be better off by going back and really breaking down what he had to say. You know, it's, it's one of the things that I do, as you guys know, as you listen to the show, is I find interesting things and I try to drill down. And some of the guests are able to drill down and have depth and some aren't. This guy had serious depth and this is a conversation worth going back and listening to again. Now, I think it's really important to consider that Allah's point that leaders have a responsibility to shape environments. Success or failure is often a result of the environment we create. Environments and tone are set by people, not by outside influences, okay? So there's stuff raging on all around us, and the outside influences are rarely the difference maker. The difference maker is always the people, particularly the leader. You need to ask yourself, are you allowing outside influences to be something we point fingers at, or are you looking in the mirror and saying, I am responsible for where we go? Um, I, I think that it's just such an important time right now to step away from the grind and ask yourself, what kind of environment are you shaping for those that you work closely with each day? Now, I've believed for a long time that people are the world's greatest reflectors. What you see from those you work with and for, those, uh, and for what you do is often exactly what others see in you. His three C's are something every one of us should consider. How do we connect? How do we communicate? How do we collaborate? The three C's are simple but powerful, and they're awesome at constructing how to create even more influence with those you lead and work with. I think the best way to wrap this episode, though, is to remind you of what I thought his most important point was. And it was this. Here's his quote. Something along these lines. The way you make people feel is the most important thing you can do. I'll say it again. The way you make people feel is the most important thing you can do. And at this time, we need to make people feel confident. We may need to make them feel valued. We need to make them feel capable. We need to make them feel empowered. We need to validate them and validate their work by listening to them. Right? Sometimes just having someone to listen to is all they need. So make sure you create one-on-ones where they know their success is the only thing you're focused on. Help them know there's someone with their interests in mind. And the best time to get started on this is always now. Ask yourself, are you providing a well-lit pathway to success? Are you creating as much influence as possible? I know this sounds like it's something I've talked about, and it's because this is the primary role of a leader. I'm telling you again, like I've told you before, I've never seen the one-on-one be more impactful than it is right now when done correctly. So I want to talk to you about how to do those correctly. Hit me up. Let's do some one-on-one time right now, you and I. I, I would love to collaborate with you. I want to help your one-on-ones become super influential and super impactful. 
I hope as many as people as possible blow up my inbox. And here it is. You ready? Rob at xvoyant, X-V-O-Y-A-N-T dot com. Hit me with your request to rethink the one-on-one. I promise you that I'll uh, reach out to you and we will have a conversation that you'll appreciate. So thanks to a lot for joining us and for such a rich conversation. I look forward to reading your work I, and I am going to make sure that I create emotions that are worth catching and I challenge each of you to look at the same thing. Most of all, though, I want to thank each of you, our listeners. The show continues to grow faster and faster. Uh, I can't thank you for enough for the support we have. We're coming up on our 100th episode. If you like today's show, please, please head over and give us some more five-star reviews on iTunes. It is the best way for the show to grow. It is the best way for me to get access to the best sales leaders in the world. So here's to having uh, the ability to creating an environment and an emotion worth catching, right? That's what we're going to say here's to this time. Here's to creating an emotion and an environment that's worth catching, worth having it be contagious. Make that part of your calling card as a leader. Sales is so simple when we do it right. And if you stop looking for silver bullets, but we only return to fundamentals and we help your team be great at them, they will absolutely thank you for it. So I wish you all, as always, a fantastic week. And as always, don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.